Al. Yes. You know, the NBA season just finally wrapped up a few weeks ago. The longest NBA season in history, obviously, because of the whole pandemic and everything. Uh, yeah. The Lakers won their 17th championship. Congrats. And you, and you know, yeah, congrats to LeBron and his friends. Uh, and, you know, we were like, you know, we can't really talk about basketball anymore. So what are we going to do? And, you know, there was this whole big documentary series that came out earlier this year when the pandemic was real hot and fresh. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we haven't gotten to talk about that yet. So, like, why not talk about some Michael Jordan? Yeah. I mean, one of the greatest basketball players of all time, arguably. Exactly. Talk about the last dance. That's what we're going to do today here on episode 200 of the Season Lamb Checkup OVA. It's a podcast where we talk about sports, obviously. <laughs> I'm Jared, joined as always by sports enthusiast. An aficionado, Doc Al, and Ladium. Hello. Yeah, we're gonna we watched all ten episodes of The Last Dance, and we're gonna talk about them. We did. Because I mean, what else are we gonna talk about with basketball right now? There's nothing else going on. Mm-mm. Draft's not until a month or two from now. We don't know when the next when the 2021 season's gonna start. So who knows? But we're now we're gonna talk about old basketball. Mm-hmm. From the 80s and the 90s. Back when we were children. Yep. Growing up well, watching watching the game. Or non-existent, depending on which part of the 80s we're it's talking true. about. It's true. You're not wrong. So obviously this was a very big deal. Yes. Um, this documentary includes a bunch of footage from the 97-98 season um, that had never been seen before this documentary came out. Uh, they got a film crew during that time to like basically film behind the scenes stuff, like B roll, like off the cuff interviews, all that sort of stuff. Um, and then basically in 2016, Jordan was like, "Hey, let's do this documentary thing. <laughs> put this stuff out." Uh, ESPN put out the first trailer on Christmas Day in 2018. They announced that it was back a long time ago. They, yeah, they announced the, the that the documentary was a thing in May of 2018. Um, originally, it was going to be airing, I believe, in June. Like the original air date was June mm-hmm. of 2020 this year, but then once the the pandemic hit and everything, they pushed the the date up to April 19th. And that's when the the documentary started airing for five weeks, where they aired two episodes a, uh, a week and all that sort of stuff. Mostly because ESPN was starving for content because no no live sports meant who's going to be watching ESPN, right? Um, and then they also did the weird thing of, like, they aired the uncensored versions on ESPN. And then mm-hmm. you could also, at the same time, you could watch the censored version on ESPN2. <laughs> if for some reason you didn't want to hear cursing. I mean, delicate sensibilities and stuff, you know? Yeah. Little children ears. Little children can hear Michael Jordan say, Let Michael Jordan say, I mean, he does a lot. He does a lot. So let's talk about these episodes. There's 10 of them. Mm-hmm. And uh, they are very in-depth because I think going in, a lot of people just thought it was going to be just solely focused on the 97-98 season. And there is a lot of that in this documentary, but it also uh, flirts back and forth with time. Um, specifically, kind of like it gives you a lot of like discussions about like Jordan coming up through his career and everything. Some of his teammates coming up through their careers and all that sort of stuff. And then eventually it kind of, once you get to the, the final episode, like it all culminates into like, here's the you know, the end bits of the, the 97-98 season. Mm-hmm. 
um, which is an interesting way to do this, obviously. But also, it gives you like a good kind of like through line of like you know, here's the drama that's happening in ninety seven, ninety eight. But then also, you're going to see how that drama kind of came to be, um, why everything's happening the way it is, and then, you know you have to go back to the the beginning to understand all that. Mm-hmm. And then also to see a bunch of people that you may not think are going to show up in a basketball documentary show up. Yeah. I mean, Justin Timberlake shows up at one point. Yep. Um, noted Chicago resident Barack Obama shows yep. up. Uh, Carmen Electra shows up, which that one makes more sense. Mm-hmm. Um, I, me- I remember there was like a trailer of like, here's a bunch of people who are going to be in this documentary and Justin Timberlake showed up and everyone was like, why is Justin Timberlake in this documentary? He's in there for like 20 seconds at most. It's just talking about shoes. That's it. Yep. I don't remember if there was anyone else that was like, oh, hey, I know you. You're famous. Uh, Bill Clinton. Bill Clinton was in there? He talked about Scottie Pippen. Oh, yes, he did. (laughs) Because that's what you're going to get Bill Clinton to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you get Barack Obama to talk about other stuff, so. It's true. But yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of people in this documentary. Mm-hmm. A whole bunch. Like the Wikipedia page on, of this documentary lists that there were 90 people interviewed for the documentary. Wow, that's a lot of people. And they're ordered by airtime, which is funny. <laughs> so how how many seconds was... Uh... They don't give seconds, but it's like... Aww. Uh, would you be surprised that Michael Jordan has the most airtime? I am not surprised by that. Second is Steve Kerr, which is real surprising. Okay, Wow. I did not expect that. And then Phil Jackson, Scottie Pippen, and then Jerry Reinsdorf, the the owner. Yeah, that makes sense. Those are your top five. Who's the lowest? Uh, Jeffrey Jordan. <laughs> oh, <laughs> his son. Yeah, b- because like they only showed up in like what the last episode. The last episode, yeah. And just for like a brief moment, they're like, "Man, we couldn't go to Utah." <laughs> yeah, they said it was too dangerous. Too dangerous. Which made me realize that like. Those two played basketball at UCF when I was at UCF, and so I was like, huh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Did not know that. Yep. I'll be real with you. I didn't even know that UCF had a basketball team. <laughs> well, now you do. I knew they had a football team. Did not know they had a basketball team. Uh, current Boston Celtics fan favorite Taco Fall went to UCF. He's very tall. That's Just what he's ex- known for. Taco Fall? Yes, that's his name. He sounds like a superhero. He's very tall. How tall is he? Uh, well, I can give you an exact estimate. But not he went to UCF? Estimate. He went to UCF, yeah. Interesting. I don't. I, he was not there when you were there. Aw. He, boy, he played from 2015 to 2019, so maybe he was there. Uh, he's 7'5". That's so tall. He's very tall. That's so tall. It's very tall. You said he played in UCF when? From 2015 to 2019. Nope, I was not there. Yeah, okay. 2013 is when I left. Good lord, he's tall. <laughs> yep. How do you how how do you even live like that? How do you live up that high? You kind of suffer because things are not mil- are not made for people that tall. They're not made for people this short either. It's true. Uh, well, let's get into this documentary. Yes. Let's talk about that first episode. Um, the first episode kind of sets up the the whole drama going into the 97-98 season where uh, Bulls GM Jerry Krause is basically kind of like, yeah, we're going to blow this team up after the next year pretty much. Yep. 
Phil Jackson's not coming back. We're not going to renew his contract. Whatever. And then Jordan and the rest of the team are kind of like, yo, this guy sucks. <laughs> yeah, like, yikes. We're not real big into this. Um, Jordan, I think at one point also said, like, hey, if they're not bringing back Phil Jackson, I'm not coming back. I'm not coming back, yeah. I'm not and, playing, so. And that kept coming up over and over and over mm-hmm. throughout this. Mm-hmm. Jerry Krause once said uh, basically that Phil Jackson could have won 82 games in a row and they still wouldn't have brought him back, which is a wild thing to say when you've, you're coming off of two straight NBA championships. Yeah, I don't understand that logic other than money. Yeah. I mean, they, they, it's in hindsight, in hindsight, excuse me, it makes sense because like obviously this is a very star-studded team. And yeah. there are people on that team with contracts that are real messed up. Yeah. And they are going to be owed a lot of money on the market coming up in the next year. And the Bulls didn't have all the money in the world to pay all those people. Unless they right. all took severe pay cuts to try right. try and go another year. Which they probably would not. It is debatable, yeah. So, yeah, like it makes sense. Like, oh, yeah, next year we're probably going to have to rebuild. And are these people going to want to stick around? Probably not. But also, it's a very just kind of like there's a there's a differing of mindsets going on between management and the players and coaching staff and all that sort of stuff. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's that much is obvious in in the documentary. There is a huge difference. Yes. Mindset. Uh, we see uh, the Bulls go to Paris for a preseason game, where everyone's like, "Oh my God, it's Michael Jordan! It's Michael Jordan! It's Michael Jordan! It's Michael Jordan! Oh my God!" Everyone's in awe. They beat up a French team. They didn't beat them up. <laughs> well, I mean, they beat them up on the court, essentially. Yeah. And, that, and that's with uh, Scottie Pippen's not there because he's holding, he's he's injured, yeah. quote unquote. Rodman didn't show there. So it was basically Michael Jordan and everyone else, and that's all you kind of need to beat a French national team <laughs> <laughs> when you're the Bulls. They gave him a trophy, and then, yeah, that was it. Yep. Uh, after that, we kind of go back in time. We learn about Michael's rise to the to the league, his journey through college and everything, um, where he basically got better and better over the course of three years at the University of North Carolina. And to... how he did not make the team in, in high school because he wasn't tall enough. Mm-hmm. Basically, by the end of his college career, he, he was seen as like the best college player in the, the nation. Um Goes to the NBA in the ninety in, in the eighty four draft, gets picked third overall, which seems real funky in hindsight. Yeah, wild. <laughs> um, he talked about like how he he had to think about whether he was going to stay for his senior year or not, but uh, his coach was like, "You should probably just go to the NBA. <laughs> you don't want to get injured and have something bad happen to you." Uh, he gets drafted to the Bulls, obviously, uh, and then during this time, the Bulls suck. Yep. They're not good. Nope. So he comes into this and is like, oh, this is a completely different culture than being in college where I was in this like winning program and everything, and now I'm on a team that's not good. Uh, he talks about how like the, the team during that time was just a mess. Um, he laughs at a, at a quote from the interviewer who said that the Bulls at that time were a traveling cocaine circus. <laughs> I also laugh at that. And he was like, I didn't get I didn't get involved in that stuff. 
not doing anything like that. I don't do cocaine. Exactly. Uh, former Chicago resident Barack Obama showed up at this point talking about Michael Jordan. About being being a Barack Obama in being, Chicago. Uh, being a Chicago resident. <laughs> you know, it is what As it you is. do. So yeah, we get a little bit about uh, Michael's kind of first year in the league and everything and all that. Then we also, by the end of the episode, we come back to the, the 98 season. We see the the uh like the notebook for the team that phil jackson's made that on the cover says the last dance <laughs> that's the name of the show that's the name of the show and then we see at the end of the episode like the the ring ceremony that they got for winning the 96 97 championship they're like let's go for another title yay yay but everything's gonna be chaotic because oh god do we know if we're gonna be this next year oh no yay yay <laughs> yay uh that leads us to episode two which is more about uh scotty pippen his rise to the nba and everything an episode that got almost too real for you oh yeah we almost had to bounce mm -hmm. we really almost had to bounce mm -hmm. um i mean you you knew at one point, you're like, oh, God. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, apparently, Scotty Pippen has a situation with his dad um, that is very, very similar to mine. Mm -hmm. Like, eerily similar. <laughs> so, that was awful. Yeah. I mean, in general for him, but also to watch. Mm -hmm. um, this almost killed it. This almost killed the documentary for us. It almost did. It almost did, and that's a very early kill. Two, like a, ten minutes into episode two. Yep. It's like ooh. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we uh we learned about Scotty's rise to the NBA. How he basically was like not a superstar or anything in high school. All that, like he was a point guard through high school, then like kind of just got a scholarship from the University of Central Arkansas. And then got real tall during college and, like, really, like, improved his game, his play and everything to where, like, scouts and for the leash, like, started taking notice and everything. Uh, former President Bill Clinton said that Scottie, P Scottie Pippen was the best player in his division in America during his time in college. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, and then he gets drafted to the Bulls as well, obviously. Everyone's very shocked. Also, you make mention this a lot. Scotty Pippen's teeth, very white. So white. Like, terrifyingly white. Mm -hmm. Real white. Yikes. So, yeah, now he's on the bolts with Michael Jordan. He gets to hang out with Michael Jordan. <laughs> Yay. 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 Question mark. Yay. Um, we learn kind of why the 98 season starts off really funky for the Bulls because uh, Scottie Pippen is out with an injury. Injury? Which is basically like he, he suffered, he got, he got injured at the end of the last season and then basically like took the summer and then didn't get surgery until like they came back for the like training camp the next season. Right. So he basically is like, hey, I, I took my summer to hang out and chill and then also like I kind of wanted to stick it to management 
and wait as long as I could to get the surgery done. The problem was that uh, Scotty was basically up for a new contract. Um, and in 91, he signed a seven-year, $18 million deal, which is a bad deal, to say the least. Well, especially um, considering, like, how crazy good they got. Mm-hmm. And also, just, like, he's just severely undervalued himself by this point, where, like, you know, he's one of the best players in the league, but, like, he is paid, like, someone who's average in the league. But I he, would take that much money. Well, yes, of course. But he's not compensated for his skills, essentially. Correct. Because he took yeah. this very long deal, essentially because he thought, like, I had to do this just in case, like, I ever get injured or anything. I need this money to take care of people. His family, yeah. yeah. But then, like, as the, the league grows and grows and grows, like, it, just the, it becomes a worse and worse deal. And then by the time we get to the 97, 98 season, he's just, he's fed up. Yeah, I mean, like, he he get he starts resenting it, and that it they make it very clear resented it, mm-hmm. which is understandable. I mean, like if you're getting severely underpaid, like you're gonna resent that. You're gonna be mad. Mm-hmm. Uh, one Michael Jordan thought Scottie Pippen was wrong in this scenario, probably because he wasn't on the floor with him, <laughs> and it made things yeah. hard at the very beginning of that season. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so like they they started off real rough. In that, uh, in the first few weeks of the season, where like they were not performing the way that people thought that they were, considering they were the back-to-back defending champs and everything, it's basically just the Michael Jordan show at this point. So he's just like trying to lead this team to victory and doing everything he can to to win and make sure they're not laughed at. Essentially, yeah. And I mean, people have figured out people meaning other teams have figured out like oh hey if we just tire out michael jordan then we're good so if you don't have other people who can pick up the slack then they're right Mm -hmm. once he's tired out you're solid that's all you gotta do so he needs other people there to back him essentially Mm -hmm. uh we learned about uh back in the early days of michael jordan's career when he got his first big injury in the NBA, he broke his foot in the 85 season, missed a lot of games and everything, but also was just like, I'm just going to go do scrimmages and train while no one knows about it. Cause if they don't know, they won't stop me. <laughs> uh, that didn't make people happy in the bulls organization. So essentially once he told them, they're like, yo, what are you doing? You're dumb. You re-injure this this injury, you could never play. You, there's a there's a possibility you may never play basketball again. And Michael Jordan, of course, is like, okay, but I could also play basketball and it'd be fine. Whatever, who cares? Um, so eventually he comes back, but then he's on a minutes restriction, and he does not like it. He is very unhappy about this minutes restriction. Um, to where like at one point they are like in a game where they have to like win this game to qualify for the for the playoffs and like he has led the team back from being down and is like they're it's a very close game with like under a minute or so left and he's like I I got to go out there and keep playing but then they're like oh the minutes restrictions up you got to you got to sit and he's like <laughs> begging the coach to go to let him back in and the coach is like I can't do it they'll be they'll like fire me if I do this and Michael's like oh god just let me in ah! but then luckily they win yay 
their reward for winning this this game and getting into the playoffs is they have to go against a very dominant, very dangerous Boston Celtics team in the mid eighties. Yikes! One of the best teams in the NBA. Um, this one is the one that has like Larry Bird in them, right? Correct. Okay. The the eighty Celtics team featuring the likes of you know Larry Bird, Robert Parrish, Kevin McHale, Bill Walton, Danny Ainge. Big names. I, I remembered one name. Yeah. <laughs> and that's because he kept coming up. Mm-hmm. Also, it looks like he might not have teeth. <laughs> no, he has teeth. Are you sure he has teeth? Just because he's from Indiana doesn't mean he doesn't have teeth. <laughs> Is he from Indiana? Yes. He just The way he holds his mouth looks like he doesn't have teeth. <laughs> uh, um. Despite them going, the Bulls going against a very dangerous Celtics team, Michael Jordan decided to become Michael Jordan and was like, <laughs> let me go put up 49 points in the first game, put up 63 in game two, but even then they'll still, they still lose, lose those games. He did his Rubesti. He did. They lost that series and everything, but like everyone kind of like realized, oh, this Michael Jordan kid's for real. Um, Larry Bird infamously, infamously says in this, this episode, that wasn't Michael Jordan out there. That was God disguised as Michael Jordan. <laughs> you know how it is. Yeah, you know, casually. Mm-hmm. Casual God playing games. Exactly. Um, and then we end this episode back in 98 where we get the, the cliffhanger. Scotty Pippins demanded a trade. Da-da-dum. He wants out of Chicago. Da-da-dum. And he's, he's going to hold out and not play until he gets traded. And of course, Michael Jordan being Michael Jordan's like, yeah, I thought he was just being real selfish there. Why didn't he worry about the team, not himself? <laughs> Scotty Pippen's like, I'm doing, I'm going to do what's right for me. And that's it. Yep. If you don't like it. Get out. Tough luck. And then we get to episode three, which is about uh, one Dennis Rodman. <laughs> <laughs> the worm. Is that what they called him? That was what they called him. I did not realize that. Uh, Des Rodman, of course, a very controversial person in the 90s. Yeah. Because people did not understand or not know what to think about his like very eccentric look and style and just being this bad boy and everything. Yeah. Like Constantly criticized in the media and everything. Behavior in general mm-hmm. was like, what? Mm-hmm. And his dedication was questioned a lot. Yes. But for the Bulls, he was the kind of guy they needed, especially with Scottie Pippen being out. He kind of stepped up, became that number two guy, uh, was someone that Jordan could rely on in uh, the early parts of that season when they were struggling. Mm-hmm. And uh, they remained, they managed to kind of bounce back a little bit. And then we get to learn about Dennis Rodman's story. <laughs> yep. Uh, he talks about like having a real kind of rough childhood and everything, getting kicked out of his home at 18, being homeless, eventually finding college and playing basketball and like that leading him to the NBA and everything. Uh, gets drafted in the 86 draft, goes to the Detroit Pistons, who will eventually become a very big rival for the Bulls. Mm-hmm. Which they cover some of that. In, yes. In this. Uh, basically, Rodman was like a defensive anchor he was a rebounding machine um one of the best rebounders in nba history 
Um, and he does like he talks about kind of like his mentality for rebounding and everything, and just like how he like practiced like and like had the visualize like, hey, we're, here's how someone shooting from this location, where's the most likely area the ball is going to like bounce off the rim potentially, and where exactly should I be on the court to mm-hmm. get a rebound and everything. It's very like it's very smart and very like an interesting way to like think about that very particular aspect of basketball and everything. But also during that time, <laughs> the Detroit Pistons got a reputation as well. Yep. <laughs> they were known uh, in the NBA as the bad boys. Oh my God. And uh, mostly because like they were a very hard nosed defensive team and just, and of course, they beat the crap out of everybody. Literally beat the crap out of people. And I mean, this is during the time when like, you know, fights in basketball were like commonplace. You want to, like, go tackle someone to the ground? Eh, that's just a foul. Whatever. <laughs> you want to go get into a fight? Eh, whatever. No worries. Like, that's just the way basketball was at the time. Wildin'. Mm-hmm. So the, the Pistons are on their way up. The Bulls are also coming up on their are on their way up now. Uh, they've got a new coach in Doug Collins, who's basically kind of made the, the, the play style of the Bulls center around Michael Jordan. Because, of course you would. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a valid strategy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we fast forward a little bit to the 89 playoffs where in the first round they go up against the Cleveland Cavaliers. This is the series where Michael Jordan hits the quote-unquote the shot. The shot. <laughs> to beat the, the Cavaliers and move on in the playoffs. Um, a very famous shot in all of basketball, especially he talks about afterwards like, He's celebrating and basically just telling everyone to, like, if they weren't with us, get the f*** out of here. Yeah. Uh, And then they meet the Pistons for the first time. And the Pistons just beat them up. Literally. Literally. Um, And they were just, they were all over the Bulls and everything. They just did not let them get out of the, get out of the starting gate and just beat them. And obviously that, they would go on to win back-to-back championships in 89 and 90. So for the for the Bulls and especially Jordan, like the Pistons were like that first real stepping rival. stone that they and rival that they needed to get past in order to eventually get to greatness and everything. Mm-hmm. Uh while of course like the Pistons had all that success, um eventually you know they they would fall off a little bit. Uh Rodman's time with the Pistons would eventually fall out in 93 when like he had some mental health issues where he passed out in a truck of his with a gun. Yep. And the team was like, yeah, we can't have you on the team anymore. Uh, he gets traded to the San Antonio and then basically just starts like dying his hair and dating Madonna. <laughs> <laughs> Madonna's like, Hey, just be who you want to be. Don't listen to anyone else. And he's like, Oh, I can do that. <laughs> That's easy. <laughs> uh, eventually he kind of bounces around here and there just kind of having troubles and whatnot. But then around, I believe the 95, 96 season bulls management is like, Hey, we should bring in, bring in Dennis Rodman and we can have just Michael and Scotty just kind of make sure he just stays on the right track. And that'll lead us to probably something good. And lo and behold, it led us to something pretty good. Yep. Uh, eventually we go back to the 97, 98 season. Um, Scotty Pippen like eventually comes back. He ends his holdout mostly just because, like, he's like, they're probably not going to do anything, so I might as well just play. 
might as well not get fined for this. <laughs> <laughs> so he comes back in January, and then the team's kind of back and everything. But then obviously with Ro- with Pippen coming back, Rodman kind of gets pushed to this like third role again where he where he had been, and that kind of just like takes the fun out of basketball for him. So uh, we end this episode where he's just like he goes into Phil Jackson's office and is like, I need to go on vacation. <laughs> he's, and they're like, well, how long are you going to be? He's like, how long am I going to have? Like, okay, you can get 48 hours. And he's like, cool, I'm going to Vegas. See you in 48 hours. Bye. <laughs> and then 48 hours later, he still hasn't been heard from. <laughs> yep. And this is where we meet Carmen Electra. Mm-hmm. At least in the documentary. That's true. Uh, we get that in the next episode. Ah. Because that next episode picks up where they're like, okay, we got to go find Dennis Rodman. <laughs> <laughs> who is just partying throughout all of Las Vegas with Carmen Electra and everyone else that he knows. Um, And then Michael Jordan has to go get him from a hotel room and bring him back to practice. <laughs> yeah, as you do. Where Carmen Electra also is, is like, I had to hide in that room because I did not want to see want Michael Jordan to see me like this. <laughs> yep. But yeah, Dennis Rodman's back. But then they also have to get him in shape because he's been gone for a little bit. So they talk about how like they did this drill where like you would all run in a line and like the person in front would have to like maintain or like would keep the pace for everyone else. And they're like all like, well, they're only doing this because Dennis is kind of out of shape because he's been gone for a little bit. Every and Michael just like tells everyone, once you get to that front of that line, you just walk, you just slow to a walk, <laughs> you just cruise for all of us. And then, like, obviously, Rodman would get to the front. He would just... He just sprints away. Yep. I think they, like... They talked about, like, how, like... It it would take him, like, three laps just to catch back up to him. And pass him. (laughs) Uh, We learned about Phil Jackson and Dennis Rodman's love of Native American culture. Yeah, that was weird. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) That was super weird. And then we get to learn about Phil Jackson. Yeah. Who's also weird. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, he talks about growing up in like a very religious family and everything. Mm-hmm. He wanted to play sports more than be religious, so he just played a lot of basketball. Uh, eventually, he gets drafted to the New York Knicks. Uh, has like a weird mustache and weird hair and everything. Man, yeah, that's you're not wrong. Uh, you talk about kind of like how like he was just very different from everyone else. Just kind of had walked to the beat of his own drum and everything. Uh, eventually he gets into coaching where he goes to coach in Puerto Rico where it's just wild. <laughs> where like they talk about how like the mayor of one of the cities got like a suspension for he couldn't go to home games because he went on like the on the court and like shot a referee or something. <laughs> yeah, which I mean like that's a good reason to be banned. <laughs> but only for home games. You can shoot the refs at the away games. That's- yeah, that's fine. Uh, eventually comes back to the States, coaching in the CBA in New York, wins a championship, and then that success eventually leads the Bulls to track him down and be like, hey, you want to come work for us? Except the first time they have they, they let him come in for an interview, he doesn't know how to dress or act like professionally, so they're like, no, we don't no. want this guy. <laughs> and then eventually the second time like they're like, hey, you should dress like this. This is how you talk to someone, and then this should get you the job. <laughs> yep. Basically becomes Doug Collins' replacement. And one of the things that he brings in when he becomes the head coach of the Bulls is he brings in the triangle offense, which is basically 
make a triangle on the court and you do a lot of passing and obviously there's like a triangle in every scenario and all this sort of stuff um revolutionizes the way the bulls play for for all the way up till like 98 essentially um michael jordan didn't like it first because it basically just didn't make the, the team run through him all the time so everyone else got touches right but then Essentially, you kind of figured out, like, oh, well, if we are able to do this, we can, you know, we can get better as a team overall, and then that should help us propel us to, you know, bigger and better things. Which is probably what you want. Uh, we go to the 1990 season. Scottie Pippen makes the All-Star game for the first time. Uh, they talk about kind of, like, how he's become like the prototype for what's now known as the point forward position where it's basically like a forward or like a you know a bigger player kind of playing like a point guard for there being more of a facilitator mm-hmm. and being crafty and all that sort of stuff um they once again make it to the playoffs and once again go against the the rival detroit pistons in the eastern conference finals they make it all the way to game seven but in game seven scotty has a migraine yeah and it's uh not good Lot of, I mean, they do suck. A lot of what ifs about like, oh, if he would have played, what it, what would have happened, everything. But he's like, he he was basically like, yeah, I couldn't. I woke up, I had a horrible headache. I was seeing double out there. I could not play, and like that was it. So this that's their second year in a row. They were like, man, we got to do something to beat this Pistons team. So essentially, in the off season, the the Bulls take up like a more heavy training resume jordan puts on a few more pounds of muscle and everything and they're like we gotta we have to bulk up we have to get stronger mentally and physically in order to beat this pistons team or else they're just gonna keep bullying us and bodying us every time we go to the playoffs yep we gotta beat them up for a change essentially and in the 91 season they do that by sweeping them in the eastern conference finals easy peasy (laughs) <laughs> but then controversy arises at the end of the 90s the 90 eastern conference finals you know the bulls shook shook the pistons hands you know wished them good game and all that sort of stuff they were respectful after they lost a crushing game seven yep game four of the 91 eastern conference finals pistons are losing losing badly and uh before the uh the game is over they walk off the court Michael Jordan, not happy about that. Nope. <laughs> Still despises Isaiah Thomas to this day, which, I mean, rightfully so. Yeah, I mean, that 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 sucks. They did the, they, there was a scene where, like, the one of the interviews, like, here's this, here's this quote from uh, Isaiah Thomas about why, why they did that. And Michael was like, look, I already know what you're, what it's going to say, and I, I don't believe it. Um, mm-hmm. He also said, "You can show me anything, you, anything you want about what they said. It's no way you can convince me he wasn't an." <laughs> Good. Uh, so yeah, but also this leads them to their first NBA Finals appearance, where the Bulls go up against uh, the Los Angeles Lakers, and they have to go up against Magic Johnson, who was obviously one of the the best players of the '80s and everything. Lakers were another dynasty in the 80s as well. And here they are against these upshot young Chicago Bulls team who is destined for greatness. And lo and behold, 
the Bulls win their first championship. We get to see Michael like in tears as he wins, as he holds like the trophy and everything. Like this big, you know, long journey has finally culminated in success for him. Mm-hmm. And then we go back to '98, where Jordan's very happy that he won a hundred dollars on a bet in the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we see a game between them and the Jazz, where the Bulls are up early, and then the Jazz crawl back and win the game. Not a great game for the defending champs and everything. And this is a game that I think leads into the all-star break where people are like, man, are the Bulls going to actually come back and win another championship? Or are they done? Who knows? Is this really their last dance? Ha ha ha. Let's talk about episode five. Okay. Halfway there. Halfway there. Living on a prayer. No, that's a bad song. Um, this is the episode that's uh, dedicated to Kobe because Kobe had passed away a couple months after this documentary came out. Uh, they talk of, or the opening kind of deals with the 98 all-star game where you get to see a little bit of the relationship that Jordan and Kobe had early on. <laughs> uh, Kobe makes an appearance doing an interview and everything. We see like a uh, locker room footage where Jordan's just like, that Kobe kid is going to take everybody on one-on-one. He's not going to pass the ball. <laughs> <laughs> going to do all that. Uh, Kobe kind of talks about, like, how a lot of his game he learned from Michael and everything. And how, like, you know, he could call him and, like, give him, like, they would get he would get advice from him and all that sort of stuff. Interesting things. Uh, then we talk about uh, shoes. 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 Yeah, we get to talk about Nike. Yes. Uh, going back to his days in college, Michael talks about, like, you know, the first, the, the shoe, shoe deal he originally wanted was Adidas. Mm-hmm. Because um, that was his favorite shoe. It was his favorite shoe. Nike really wasn't a thing outside of, like, track and field at this point. Um, and, like, the big the big shoe company in basketball around this time was Converse. Um, eventually, his agent's like, hey, you should take this meeting with Nike. And he's like, Nah, no, I don't really want to. <laughs> not really feeling it. Um, I think his mom is the person who like convinces him, like, "Hey, you should go take this deal. Just go listen to them, see what they got to say." And then he does that, and then, lo and behold, it becomes a very lucrative deal. Who could have ever seen that? Who could have seen it coming? Um, essentially, the the Nike strategy was like they wanted to take a person from a team game like michael jordan and promote them in a way that like they had promoted people in like you know non-team sports like tennis like golf um Mm -hmm. boxing stuff like that so that's that's kind of like the the methodology they used um and then eventually you know nike is able to make jordan's first like signature shoe which becomes the air jordan which obviously blossoms into this huge huge thing jordan's becoming like a a symbol and fashion and culture and everything rather than than just a basketball shoe mm-hmm. so this is where you see like justin timberlake you see nas stuff like there are people like that who are like talking about like you know we shoes. i wanted to get these shoes because they were the coolest thing 
Um, we see how Nike eventually would bring in Spike Lee to create the Jordan commercials for the Air Jordans and everything, and then also like commercials he did for Gatorade, the like Mike commercial ads and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also flash forward to '98 where he plays against the the Knicks in Madison Square Garden puts on the original Air Jordan 1s, and it's just like, oh, God, these shoes suck. <laughs> They're too <laughs> small for me now. <laughs> My feet are bleeding. Bleeding Oh, God. <laughs> Basically how he felt. Uh, we, we flash back to the 91-92 season. The Bulls coming off of their first championship. Um A lot of people think that the team in 91-92 was better than the original team. So that helps. They eventually come back and reach the NBA Finals, this time going against the Portland Trailblazers. And again, they go against other, uh, another superstar from Portland, Clyde Drexler. Of course, Michael, not impressed. He's like, man, people compared me to that. I took offense to that. <laughs> I took it personally. I took that personally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this series is where we get the very famous... Michael Jordan shrug that he does in game because <laughs> he's just that cool. Uh, the Bulls win the, win the series. They get they go back to back. They are two time NBA champs now and on the verge of a dynasty. Uh, following the ninety two finals, Michael Jordan's tired, but they're like, "Hey, why don't you come do the Olympics?" He's like, "I guess I'll do that." Uh, 92 is the first year that uh, the Olympic Committee allowed professional basketball players to play in the Olympics because prior to this, it would just be collegiate players. I mean, even then, like, it's not even fully, like, the Dream Team, obviously, as, as the 92 team is known, is not made up of entirely pro players. There is one collegiate player on the team because they still wanted to have, like, collegiate representation, whatever. Right. Um, Dream Team, obviously, one of the craziest, greatest teams in basketball history because of the amount of just all-stars champions just great great players that are on that team uh one notable exception is isaiah thomas is not on that team michael's like i totally was not me that didn't want him on that team nope it's just he had friction with everyone on that team so why would he come here and mess up the chemistry and everything wink wink nudge nudge <laughs> why would you think that was me huh <laughs> I obviously don't have that much pull over these things. <laughs> Definitely don't. What do you mean? But yeah, the the dream team is just ridiculous. Very ridiculous. They talk about the the infamous like practices they would have where it was just some of like the most ridiculous games for a practice to ever be seen where like Maddie Johnson is like barking at Michael Jordan and Michael Jordan's coming back like, well, it's, it's the 90s now. What are you talking about? You're old. I'm the future now. I'm the present. <laughs> <laughs> uh, shockingly, there was also drama between Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, and Bulls GM Jerry Krause at this point as well. What? Uh, because Jerry Krause had found uh, Croatian star Tony Kukoc. And was like, I'm gonna bring in this cool this kid in. He's gonna we were gonna sign oh, him. This poor, this poor kid. And uh, we're gonna bring him in eventually to come play in the NBA. And Michael and Scott are like, Yeah, we're gonna beat this kid up. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna basically. embarrass this kid. Like, oh man, you think that he's the greatest thing ever? We'll show mm -hmm. you. We'll show you how great he is. So uh, the U.S. team plays Croatia in one of the early round games, and 
that's where Tony Kukoc played and everything. Kukoc had like no idea that Jordan and Pippen were going to do this to him. They, like, he had no idea about like the animosity that was brewing and everything within the Bulls and all this sort of stuff. He's like, I just came to play basketball. <laughs> that's <Yeah>. it. <laughs> um, they just like bully him, hold him to like very few points and everything, and have people like, oh, I guess this kid isn't that good or anything. And just he's just like. Yeah, I guess that was a thing. Uh, eventually, they the U.S. team does play Croatia again in the gold medal game. Kukoc comes back and has like a, way, a much better game. Um, impresses Jordan and everyone. They're like, "Oh, this kid's actually tough and everything." But also, like, he comes from like a war torn country. Of course, he's tough. Right. <laughs> like, come on. Um, but even like he still has a good game and everything. He has like you know he performs much better even with Jordan and Pippen guarding and all that sort of stuff. But of course it's the dream team, so they win very easily and win the gold mm-hmm. medal. Um, more controversy as uh, they uh, do the gold medal ceremony, and Michael's like, "I'm not gonna show the Reebok logo because I'm signed to Nike and I don't want to show the Reebok logo." <laughs> So he just, like, draped the American flag mm-hmm. over the, the logo? Yep. <laughs> That's one way to do it. I mean, yeah. Uh, after that, we get an interesting little insight into politics and Michael Jordan. Yeah. Where back in 1990, uh, there was a sen- senator campaign in North Carolina. There was a black mm-hmm. senator by the name of Harvey Gant who... People wanted Jordan to, like, give his support to and everything, like, vocally to make sure they could uh, oust this Republican senator who's obviously very racist, unsurprisingly. Yep. And Jordan just does not do that. There's a famous quote that comes out that he he basically says was taken out of context or just, like, he said off the cuff that, like, oh, I don't want to, you know, support one candidate or the other because, you know, Republicans buy sneakers, too. Yeah. He's, I think they said that he said it like on the bus or an mm-hmm. airplane or something, yeah. just like as a joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people in the African-American community kind of kind of come out against Jordan because of this. Um, they try and compare him to like what Muhammad Ali did in his career and everything. But like Jordan is like, I mean, like, I'm not Muhammad Ali. I never said I was an activist or anything like that. So it's a weird comparison to make and everything. But also like, you know. He is someone of a very high stature, someone very mm-hmm. high in pop culture and everything. So, like, it makes sense why people, like, would want to see him, like, represent someone that they want to see kind of bring change to everything. Mm-hmm. Um, he mentions, like, oh, I, I gave them, like, a donation and everything, but, like, that doesn't really help. Doesn't give support if people don't know about it. Yeah. I mean, this episode has a lot of, like, Jordan dealing with image. Mm-hmm. Because there is the image of like obviously the the marketing created image of Michael Jordan as like the superstar, this be like Mike. Yeah, the be like Mike campaign where like you know you just want to you want to be like Michael Jordan, you know, be good and everything. Michael Jordan doesn't do anything wrong or anything like that. But then also Michael Jordan is a human being who has mm-hmm. flaws and everything, so he's going to do stuff that's wrong. And you know this episode, and then obviously I think the next episode as well, we're gonna see the flaws of Michael Jordan become more prominent in the limelight. Yeah. Which I will agree that it sucks that he didn't mm-hmm. come out and support this dude. Cause like, man, not hard to go against the racist guy, Yeah, but you know, 
it was ultimately his choice whether he did that or not. Yeah. And he chose not to. Uh, we end this episode as we go back to the 97-98 season where the Bulls go to the go to Atlanta to face the Hawks. Uh, they're playing this game in the Georgia Dome for whatever reason. I guess well, for the reason is because they can put 60,000 people in attendance to watch a basketball game and make money. Yeah. Uh, we didn't see a bunch of like celebrities show up at Bulls games because they want to see Michael Jordan. We could see like Jerry Seinfeld show up in the locker room. Yeah, that was wild. <laughs> Real weird. <laughs> um, like just a bunch of random people that you see and everything. And that's basically uh, that's basically it for this episode. Mm-hmm. That's halfway through this doc. Well, now let's get into episode six, where controversy is going to come up. Controversy? Controversy. Uh, we begin this episode kind of talking about, in 98, Michael's like day-to-day schedule and how much he had to go through and everything. Mm-hmm. And, like, this is like, I think we begin, like they show like him in like a hotel room, just like lounging, just being like, man, I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> kind of just like you know you do not want to be like me you don't want to have my lifestyle it sucks <laughs> which is very counterintuitive to like you know everything we saw last episode as well um we learn a little bit more about michael jordan's love for competition and specifically gambling <laughs> gambling they talk about how, like, you know, he just wants to, he'll just come in and gamble on whatever. He'll come play cards with us. He just wants to take our money because that's just how he is. He just wants to win at all costs. Um, we go back to the 92-93 season as the Bulls are looking to go three for three in championships now. There's a book that comes out called The Jordan Rules that kind of talks about how, like, the 91-92 season was tumultuous and everyone doesn't like Michael Jordan and everything. There's conflicts mm-hmm. that happened. And everyone's just like, that, no, that didn't really happen. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't totally true. Just partially true. Yeah, partially true. Um, but also kind of helps the team kind of come together a little bit more because they don't want to have like people just like yelling at them all the time. Uh, Bulls are great in the 1993 season again. Not surprising. And now the Bulls have a new rival who have shown up, and it is the New York Knicks. They want to basically take down the the Bulls and everything, and the Knicks and Bulls are going to also have these knockdown dragout fights as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very tough physical matchups and everything. Um. In the Eastern Conference Finals, the the Knicks go up 2-0 very quickly. And then there's a story that comes out during these Eastern Conference Finals about Michael Jordan during the series going to Atlantic City, gambling until the middle of the night and coming back and people thinking that's going to affect his game and all this sort of stuff. Um, Jordan kind of describes it as like, yeah, I went with my dad to Atlantic City because we just needed to blow off some steam and just get my head out of being around basketball and just just relax for a little bit. That was it. Whatever. Yep. Who cares? They said that I came back at like two or three in the morning. I was actually back before like eleven o'clock mm-hmm. or something like that. Which you know, I don't know what's the truth, but he's like, yeah, it wasn't as big of a deal as they made it out to be. But they made it seem like mm-hmm. I like kicked kicked a puppy. Uh, all along that as well, like there's this book that comes out about like oh this this me and Michael Jordan have these huge gambling debts and all this sort of stuff. 
also he becomes tied to like this uh money launderer kind of guy who he wrote yeah. a check to because of gambling and had to go be an eyewitness at his, te- at his trial and all this sort of stuff and like this all and the really terrible art of yes. him at, at the trial um this kind of like becomes like a just a big swirling storm of just like people like well is he if he's doing this, all this gambling that presumably we're saying he is is he betting on games now is he betting on the league is he doing all this sort of stuff and michael's like no that's not how this worked <laughs> I just like to gamble a little bit here and there. Wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> so all this is happening. Um, he kind of just kind of goes just like, he's like, I'm not talking to anyone. He's going to focus on these Eastern Conference finals. He's He has it like his dad comes out and has a statement. It's like, stop yelling at him. Whatever. Who cares? <laughs> yeah, like he's super done. Mm-hmm. Does not want to talk to any of the press. Very quiet. Um, obviously, you know, this is going to lead to what happens in the 93 offseason. Um, David Aldridge, like, quotes My- Magic Johnson, who told him, like, at one point, like, it's like, yeah, the media, it's going to drive him out of the game if they keep doing this. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. um, the, the Bulls come back in the Eastern Conference Finals and defeat the Knicks and everything. So they make it to the 93 finals again. This time they go up against the Phoenix Suns, who are a very up-and-coming team and everything, um, led by Charles Barkley and all this sort of stuff. Uh, We go back to the 98 season for a little bit here, where we see the the team go out and play some golf. Yep. Michael's, like, dragging Scottie Pippen to the bus so he can go play golf and then just starts honking the bus horn, wanting to run people over. (laughs) (laughs) as you do Mm -hmm. talking about how like phil jackson will just let them go have a day off just to like kind of chill and everything like we're just gonna go play golf we're gonna beg some money (laughs) (laughs) we gotta go play golf uh then we go back to the 93 season where we're in the finals and everything um before they get to game one michael breaks his media silence has an interview with the modern shot of nbc sports and they talk about the gambling and everything Mm-hmm. And Michael's just like Michael just shows up in like sunglasses and everything, <laughs> looking real suspicious. And they're like, "Well, do you have a problem with gambling?" And he's like, "No, it's a hobby. I just like to do it. If it was bad, I would be broke. I'm fine. Don't worry about it. My wife can eat. Yeah. It's fine. I forget exactly how he worded it, but it was something it's like basically, that. Basically, yeah. Um, he's asked about like, oh. Is, it's, are you going to be? Are you how? How? What do you feel like? When's the end of your career? Of your career coming up? He's like, is this is this the final year for you? And I was like, could soon. Maybe it's this year. Maybe who knows? Who knows? Wink. Also, Michael Jordan's very uh, mad that Charles Barkley got MVP that year. Oh yeah, he was not happy. He said, "Okay, fine." You can have that MVP. I'll take this championship. <laughs> um, more petty Michael Jordan motivation came when Jerry Krause was like, man, the Suns guard Dan Marjorie is real cool. I would like to get him on the team. And Michael Jordan's like, okay, well, we'll show you that this guy sucks. <laughs> yep. God, he's so petty. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, the Bulls won game one. 
a lot of people think that like the nerves and like the the big spotlight of the finals got to the Suns and everything, but the Suns are able to bounce back in game two. Uh, eventually, the series goes to a game six and everything. Um, Bulls go up and like by game five, everyone's like thinking, oh, but they're going to clinch in Chicago and everything. And then the, the Suns come out like, nah, you're not clinching here. <laughs> <laughs> they go to game six in Phoenix. Uh, Michael Jordan infamously saying that he only packed one suit for this trip out west. <laughs> Yep. Because that's all they're going to need. <laughs> uh, they uh, they win game six, mostly because it's a very tight game throughout uh, under a minute left. They run a play where everyone's like, oh, Michael Jordan's going to take the shot with less than five to go. And then here's John Paxson, noted sharpshooter, just wide open. And he takes a shot and puts them up and gives them the go ahead to, to win their third straight championship. Which was a big deal. Very big deal. But now things are going to take a change in the next episode when, uh, you know, someone's going to put a pause on their career. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, for episode seven. Or a, a pivot, a, really. A pivot, yeah, a little pivot. Uh, episode seven begins with the uh, the Bulls are made the playoffs. Mm-hmm. There's a pre pre-playoff press conference with Jerry Krause where reporters like um, so how do you feel about the way the team's been able to handle all the, the controversy and everything and how you backstabbed them and everything he's like first of all there's been no backstabbing in this organization I don't know what you're talking about you should you should be very ashamed of yourself for saying that what a terrible question anyways the team's fine whatever I'm done <laughs> he, he very much uh, reminded me of a certain terrible president mm-hmm in the way that he was just like, you should be ashamed of yourself for asking that question. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bulls go up against the Nets in the first round of the 98 playoffs. Um, they win the first game in overtime, I believe. Or regardless, it was a more tightly contested, yeah, in, in overtime. And everyone's like, oh my god, I can't believe this. The Nets took the Bulls to overtime. This is crazy. Like, Which, it's, it's weird, because like, there's weird things happen in game ones of series. Just mm-hmm. because a team wins game one doesn't mean they're going to win the, the the whole series. Right. It's just weird. And then one reporter is like, yeah, he looked... Talking about Michael Jordan in 98, he's like, yeah, he looked like Michael Jordan in 93 in the playoffs of 98. <laughs> <laughs> um, This is the episode where we get our first dad murder. Yes, this is the first dad murder of the show. It's a weird thing to say. That is a very weird thing to say, but mm-hmm. here we are. So the, Michael Jordan's dad gets murdered. Yeah, so the Bulls have won their third straight NBA Finals. They're three-time champions back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. And then during the offseason, Michael's dad, James Jordan, gets murdered. Gets shot in the chest. And then isn't found for a little bit, for like a couple of weeks, until they are able to find his body in a creek. And is it's very devastating to Michael because like his dad was like his best friend and everything and just such a close confidant and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Then things get really weird and everything. We're like, what's this because of Michael's gambling? Yeah, that was weird. And it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Real messed up. Yeah, I mean, it very much felt like they were trying to drum up controversy, but it also felt like like that's very hurtful of them mm-hmm. to do to somebody whose dad literally just like was found in a creek and like they had to identify him by dental records. Mm-hmm. Come on, guys. Come on. 
So all of this happening along with just like him being kind of just burnt Done. burnt out from the the three peat and everything and just kind of just being like <sighs> the wheels begin to start turning for him to be like, What if I just stop playing basketball? What if I just walk away? What if I just walk away? And so he does. Yeah. He eventually he, he he talks to Phil Jackson about it. Phil's just like, you know, you're not letting people watch you play is gonna suck, but I like hey, I get it. You gotta do what you, you gotta, gotta do. You gotta do what man. you gotta do. Uh Jordan goes to throw out the first pitch at the American League Championship Series where the White Sox are hosting the Toronto Blue Jays. And then while all this is happening, like while he's at the game and everything, news leaks out, they're like, Oh hey, the Bulls are gonna do a press conference tomorrow where Michael George is gonna announce his retirement. <laughs> And everyone's like, and like pandemonium just starts happening at the at this baseball game. Yeah, they were like hounding the private suite mm-hmm. where he was, and he had to leave early. Uh, and then the following day, the the Bulls hold a press conference where it's just like a sea of reporters, like from just local to state to just national, global news, are all at this press conference, which just shows like the 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 magnitude of this of this decision that he made um, where he announces that he is retiring from basketball. And that's it. He's done. Uh, This also goes into the weirdness of the conspiracy theory that Michael didn't actually retire from basketball in 93. Yeah. Instead, he was suspended by the NBA for his gambling. Yeah. A, c- a conspiracy theory that was very prevalent all the way up through this documentary, let me mi- remind you. Not one that just like randomly popped up and went away. No, this has been a thing for a while. <laughs> <laughs> um, So we get like a bunch of people talking about it, like Michael talking about it, uh, the NBA commissioner at the time, David Stern, talking about it. They're all like, no, that's dumb. <laughs> Why would we do that? <laughs> Why would we take away our biggest moneymaker and suspend him for that? That's stupid. So yeah, he walks away from basketball, but then is like, "Hey, what if I play baseball?" Yeah. What if I go play some baseball? So uh, he signs with the White Sox. They put him in Double A, mostly because like he's not obviously he is not a baseball player. He hasn't played baseball since like high school. Mm-hmm. Um, they talk about how like they couldn't put him in like Single A because like the media attention and like all that surrounding him, like none of these stadiums or anything could accommodate that. So like we just had to bump him up to Double A because all those stadiums have better equipment and everything to handle like all the the attention that he's going to get. So he goes down to Birmingham where the White Sox AA organization is and he becomes he starts his new career as a baseball player. Um he talks about kind of like why he wanted to do that. It's like mostly like his dad loved baseball, wanted him to play baseball and it's like, you know, I this is something that he always like wanted me to do and everything, so why not just go for it? Um, Birmingham, Alabama becoming the hot spot because Michael Jordan's there <laughs> playing baseball. That's near me. That is near you. Uh, he started off his baseball career really well. He had a 13-game hitting streak, which people were like, whoa, he can actually play baseball. <laughs> and then pitchers were like, oh, we should probably just not his- throw fastballs at him. Let's throw actual other pl- pitches to him. And then he starts getting bad. Mm-hmm. Um, he talks about like a Sports Illustrated cover story that like criticized him. And he got mad because they didn't come talk to him about it. So he's like, Bleh. meh. Um, but he also kind of just talks about like, you know, 
having to get better at a game that he just was not as familiar with or anything like having to become more humble and all this sort of stuff and like talking about like how like you know his teammates didn't treat him as like Michael Jordan this superstar there's like hey this is Michael Jordan our teammate he's another one of the guys yeah and all that sort of stuff um eventually like obviously he starts off like good gets starts dipping down a little bit because obviously he's got to learn how to hit other pitches that aren't a fastball and everything but like they talk about like oh he was like you know he would come in and do batting practice like before games after games like anytime he could come in and do it he would be in the cages and trying to work on hitting other pitches and all that sort of stuff just continuously trying to get better and better and better um which this documentary doesn't really go for like real deep into his baseball tenure and everything there's like there's another documentary that goes into all of that but like by the time like the end of the uh, the 94 minor league season kind of comes to an end like he's doing really well like he's a competent baseball player at this point like it's probable that like in 95 he could have got called up to triple a or even to the majors or whatnot if if he is his play continued up to that certain degree and everything mm-hmm. so it's, it's very interesting because like like we talked about this when we were watching the doc but like it is very hard for athletes to do the two sport thing mm-hmm. specifically especially when like you're coming off of like you're you're in your 30s and you haven't played baseball since high school mm-hmm. like that's just like not something that's heard of like well and they specifically say like the training's very different mm-hmm. like how you work your muscles is very different like he had to basically rebuild his body to play this mm-hmm. it's crazy mm-hmm. um like the only like real like prominent and notable like athletes who have done the two sport thing like usually come out of college like Bo Jackson did it after he came out of college like, he played football and baseball at the same time Deion Sanders did the same thing um but even then it's very it's a it was a very like a limited time frame because obviously you get in more into the economics of things where like teams are like well we don't want to have this person doing both sports because we don't want to get them injured or anything like that um but yeah, it's a very wild thing to see. Uh, we go forward to 98 a little bit where we see some practices with Michael Jordan where everyone's like, yeah, that guy's a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> He's mean. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... Seems got right. It's not, not wrong. Um, we, we hop back to 93 for the 93-94 season where we see how the Bulls are without Michael Jordan. And where Scottie Pippen kind of becomes the star of the team and everything. Uh, they're able to get back to the playoffs and everything. They go up against the Knicks, but the Knicks are able to take them down. Specifically because like there's some drama that happens in that series where they Phil Jackson, like there's a it's a very tight game, only a few seconds left. Phil comes up with a, a play designed for Tony Kukoc because he's like, I know I've seen him do this play before. I know he can hit the shot. It's going to be great. Scotty sees this as the the play, and he's like, "Well, I'm not going to play. I'm sitting out of this play." Everyone's like, "What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing?" The play works, obviously. They win the game, but like everyone's like, "Yo, why did you quit on this like that? That's that's real messed up." Yeah. Um, the season go- uh, series goes to a game seven where the Knicks are able to pull it out and everything. Um, they don't really talk about it in this documentary, but like also, I, I believe this is the the night the Bulls Knicks series where like. There was just a knockdown drag out fight that spilled over into the fans in this series. Yeah, you told me about that. That they fought literally on top of the commissioner of the NBA as well. That's wild. Just real bad. 
So, like, there's a lot of stuff that happened in that series that's just like, whoa, boy. Bad things happening. Uh, we go back to 98 where we see more where people are like, oh, my God, the Bulls are going to be bad because they didn't play good. Even though the Bulls win. <laughs> they eventually sweep the Nets. Everything's fine. Uh, we learned about uh, Scott Burrell, who Michael just, like, victimizes all the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, here's, I'm going to, this is the new kid. I'm going to make sure, I got to get him tough and everything. Although we see this, like, this thing where, like, Scott Burrell's, like, friends come and see him and Michael's just, like, real nice to them and all that. You know, he, he like, they bust, their, bust each other's and all this sort of stuff. Um, we see more about Michael's trash talk and everything. And then he talks about how he has to win at all costs. And gets real sad about it. That's how the end of the episode. Hmm. <laughs> Big size. Yep. Let's talk about episode eight. Okay. Hey, guess what? Michael Jordan's going to be coming back to basketball soon. <laughs> what? Who would have expected that ever? Who would have expected it ever? I mean, us, but probably not people back then. It's true. They're like, oh man, we ran him off. That sucks. Welp. Welp, indeed. Uh, we see at the, I think, at the beginning of this episode where like the Bulls are going up against the Hornets in the second round of the '98 playoffs. Um, this is the team that B.J. Armstrong is on now, former former Bull who was with them for some of the uh, their championships previously in the 90s mm -hmm. and the Hornets are able to take game two where BJ Armstrong just goes off and then starts like taunting in front of Michael Jordan and oh boy <laughs> Michael Jordan took it personally <laughs> <laughs> uh, we learn a little bit about how Michael Jordan just creates rivalries for himself out of thin air if need be yep he does like he, he if he needs a rivalry for motivation he's just like well i hate that guy mm -hmm. he he did something stupid and like now now i hate him uh they talk about a game i think in the late 80s early 90s where they were going against the washington bullets against a player named lebradford smith who is just not really a well-known nba basketball player mm -hmm. uh lebradford smith drops 37 points on jordan and michael couldn't really get anything going Apparently, after the game, he goes up to Michael Jordan and says, nice game, Mike. And then Michael's like, okay, I'm going to take this personally. Uh, Michael scores 36 points in the first half, ends with 47. The Bulls win by 25 points. And then basically, uh, decades later, years after the fact, a reporter's like, did that quote actually happen? <laughs> and he's like, no, I made no. it up. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to, you know, get myself some motivation. Uh, and then we go back to the, the the 98 season where the Bulls beat the Hornets in five games. Because, of course, he took it personally. Then we go back to 95. Let's talk about Major League Baseball and the strike. The 94 strike. Uh, baseball's coming back, but they're going to use replacement players because the actual players are still on strike. Uh, and they're like, hey, Michael Jordan, you want to come play Major League Baseball? And he's like, no, I don't want to be a scab. Get out of here. <laughs> So he walks out of camp, 
And he's like, well, what else am I going to do now? So he, uh, he calls BJ Armstrong up. And he's like, hey, you want to go meet, go eat breakfast? I got, I got all the time in the world now. <laughs> got nothing else to do. Uh, BJ Armstrong's like, hey, why don't you come over to practice? Come say hi to the guys and all that sort of stuff. You know, they'd, they'd like to see you. Yep. And then, like, everyone, like, at practice that day is like, something's happened in here. Something's happened in here. <laughs> and then he goes to practice and, like, just, you know, chills and hangs out with everyone, gets a few drills in. And then, and then he's just like, you know, maybe, maybe it's time to come back to basketball. <laughs> this would be cool. Like, he, uh, he starts showing up to practice, like, a few days in a row. And the media's like, oh, my God, is Michael Jordan coming back to basketball? Oh, my God, is Michael Jordan coming back to basketball? Scotty Pippen plays a game, wears some Jordans, points at the logo, and is like, come back, please. <laughs> we yep. haven't been good. <laughs> uh, and then they're like, well, okay, he's made the decision to come back. Well, we need to put out a statement to say, like, oh, I'm coming back to the league and everything, and yada, yada, yada. And, like, they wrote up some stuff about that for him. He's like, I don't really like this. And they're like, okay, well, what do you want to say? He puts out a statement, and it just says, I'm back. Yep. That's it. <laughs> That's it. That's all he had to say. So on March 19th, 1995, Michael Jordan makes his return to the NBA against the Indiana Pacers, wearing the number 45. Yep. Which is not something people were accustomed to seeing. Um, Jordan talks about how he was like nervous because he hadn't played competitively in a while. He didn't feel right because his dad wasn't there. So it was just a very weird, weird feeling for him and everything. He, he finishes the game with 19 points. Starting the game 0 for 6. So obviously he's a little rusty. But also like he he's basically had he's doing this this is a very quick transition and everything. And like he's been, you know, training for baseball for the last year. And training for baseball is much different from training for basketball. So he's gotta yeah. like re just re build his body, his body back up and everything. So like it's just a mess. It's a mess. Um Bulls at the in the ninety four, ninety five season also weren't great. So like mm-hmm. They kind of just have to sneak into the playoffs when Jordan comes back. Like Jordan coming back still doesn't like make them super great or anything. Like it makes them better, but like they're not the the Bulls of old. But also Jordan still has like you know hints of greatness, where like he goes to the Madison Square Garden, faces the Knicks, drops fifty five on them, and everything. Um, but then they get to the playoffs and they have to face the Orlando Magic, which has uh, Jordan's former teammate Horace Grant, his cool goggles. <laughs> The goggles. A magic team featuring the likes of like Shaquille O'Neal and Penny Hardaway. Great young players that are coming up in the league at this point. Um, and the Bulls lose game one because Jordan gets the ball stolen from him and can't, can't hit the uh, the final shot to give them the win and everything. Mm-hmm. And then Nick Anderson's like, man, you know, that 45 ain't like 23. <laughs> oh, man. And then, oh, by the way, Michael Jordan's back in 23 and the Bulls win. <laughs> Jordan yep. drops 38. <laughs> He took it personally. He took it personally. Um, even though he has that great game, like they're the Bulls are not able to win this series. Basically, like the Magic were a better team at this point. Jordan still is just like not in basketball shape. So like his conditioning is just not great. Um, he's just missing shots here and there and just has a real bad go of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, his trainer like shows up and talks about like, oh, you know, usually at the off season, Michael t- takes some time off to, you know, just relax and everything. But after like that Orlando series, 
I went to go talk to him. I was like, all right, hey, just call me whenever you want to get back in the gym and everything. And Michael's like, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he gets he gets started on training for the 95-96 season real quick. But also, during that time, he goes to film a little a movie called Space Jam. Space Jam! <laughs> so we get to see some cool behind-the-scenes footage of Space Jam where, like, he's just on a giant green screen. With, like, dudes in green outfits, like, playing basketball with him. Mm-hmm. And I mean, by green outfits, I mean their entire all, body. Yeah, all green suits. Green. It's real wild. Come on and slam. Welcome to the jam. Um, um, he also just like went full baller. It was like, you know what I'm going to do? I like, you know, we got to have this full training mm-hmm. set up here. Like we got to have this, the, this gym but also we're gonna have a basketball court also i'm just gonna invite like all these guys that i know all these all stars all these the best players in the league casually gonna invite mm-hmm. them to the space jam set so yeah we can play basketball through the night yeah i like how he's like yeah, yeah i need i need this i need this nice facility and everything and warren bros like oh we got you we'll build something for yeah. you no worries he's like okay cool yep and they're just like sure whatever that we don't mind you want a gym? Have a gym. Do you want a basketball court? Sure. Have at it. <laughs> do you want us to bring you all these players over? Cool. Nice. Uh, you do you, man. There's a good quote from like Reggie Miller who talks about like, like yeah, we played these games like after he he did these shoots and everything. He'd have like call time at like six in the morning. He'd film until six in the evening. Then we'd play until like nine or ten at night. And then he would just we would just do it all over again the next day. Like I don't know how he did this. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I wish that they had talked about Space Jam a little bit more, but yeah. like I understand that that is not the the, the important part of yeah. this documentary. <laughs> it is unfortunate. I will give you that. But it was super funny mm-hmm. that this is just how he did it. Mm-hmm. He's like, what if I just bring everybody? Yeah. Also, like yeah. he uses that as like, I'm going to use this as my scouting report to see how these guys are playing right now. Like, what's their skill yeah. set right now? Yeah, which is smart. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we get to the 95-96 season, and then the Bulls are just like, they're back. Jordan's back. He is just like as hungry as he has been since 91, essentially. Um, we get to, we we learned a little bit about Steve Kerr and Michael getting into a fight. <laughs> yeah. So like Steve Kerr is new to the team, but like he was not a part of the team when they won championships. So like Michael sees all these guys like trying to like ride the momentum of the Bulls and everything. And like, you guys didn't win anything with us. Like, what are you doing? You gotta. We, you don't know how hard it is to win a championship. I gotta instill the hardness of winning a championship into you. So they get into like a scuffle, and then like Jordan just like smacks him. Steve Kerr pushes him, and then Jordan just punches him in the eye. Punches him in the <laughs> and eye and gets thrown out of practice. I was like, Jesus, dude. <laughs> and then Steve Kerr's like, Yeah, you know, it was in a weird way. That was probably the, the best thing I ever did in my career. Yeah, because which we made, I was telling you the comparison of Loki and Max, mm-hmm. but um, he was saying that by standing up to to Jordan at that point, like he made Jordan respect him. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, that's what happened with Loki and Max when when Max first joined the household is that Loki was bullying him pretty hard, and Max finally was just like, you know what, I'm done, and like beat the crap out of Loki back, and Loki's like, oh, okay, okay, we're good now, we're good, we're good, yeah. And that's essentially what Michael Jordan did, like. He punched him in the eye, and then, uh, you know, we're good. We're, we, There's respect here. Mm-hmm. All right, sure. Yep. <laughs> uh, 
and then that 95-96 Bulls team becomes, at the time, the most winning team in NBA history, winning 72 games in the regular season. <laughs> They've got this new this- new young core. They've added Dennis Rodman to the mix. Mm-hmm. It is a just dominant team. They sweep the heat. This- oh, sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say, is this the episode where we see that like because Jordan trusted him, he threw um, Kerr a ball, and it was like a winning. No, that's game? next that season. Later? Next, okay. Or maybe it's this season. I don't remember. I don't remember. It's one of these. It's one of these two. It was cool though. Yeah. Um. So the the Bulls beat the Heat. They sweep them in the first round. They win four one against the Knicks in the semis, and then they go against the Magic, the team that Again. beat them last time, and then they sweep them. No worries. <laughs> Uh, then they go against the uh, the 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 team coming out of the West, the Seattle SuperSonics, led by Gary Payton and Sean Kemp. Gary Payton, noted trash talker, who will just trash talk anyone, does not care. <laughs> um, this is also a very infamous scene of where Michael Jordan talks about how Sonics coach George Carl was at dinner. They were at dinner. George Carl was in the same room as him. Does not come over to speak to him. And Jordan's like, "That's all I needed. It became personal for That's me. That's all I needed. Yep." <laughs> The petty switch was flipped. Yep. Uh, so the uh, the Bulls are able to win game one. They're able to win game two. And able to win game three. They're up 3-0. Everyone's like, oh, this is going to be a sweep. Easy peasy. And then Gary Payton's like, eh, whatever. I could I could take Michael Jordan. It's whatever. I'm, I'm the defensive player of the year. Whatever. Ain't nothing. <laughs> So they uh, they're able to win uh, game four and game five and make it make it a series three two now, um, and then we see the scene where like Gary Payne's talking about how good he was defensively and made him made Michael Jordan tired and everything and this is the 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 famous iPad scene where they show Michael Jordan this clip and he's just like eyes all shocked and just laughing at what Gary Payton saying. Yep, yep, it's <laughs> a good gift. And then he's just like, yeah, I had no problem with Gary Payton, none whatsoever. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so we get game six, which is a very emotional game for Michael Jordan because it's on Father's Day. It is only, you know, just a few years after his dad's murder and everything. And the Bulls are able to win, clinching the series and every winning the championship on Father's Day. And Michael, like, talks how, like, emotional it is for him and everything. Um, he like, talks about how he knew his, his dad was watching everything. There's this, like, real, like, just raw scene that like they they show where like he's in the trainer's room and just like collapses and just like crying into a basketball after yeah like he's sobbing on the floor which is like it's not a scene of michael or like a a shot of michael jordan you would never ever like associate with Mm -mm. like him just having like that raw emotion and everything uh we flash forward here at the end of this episode to the uh back to 98 the Bulls are now getting ready for the, the 98 Eastern Conference Finals against the Indiana Pacers. Uh, a team that very much felt like they were able they they could they could beat this Bulls team and send the pack in. And a team that like Michael eventually would say, like, you know, outside of like Detroit and everything, like the toughest team that we had to go against was the Indiana Pacers. And rightfully so. Rightfully so. <laughs> But then we'll get into how the Eastern Conference Finals go in game or in episode nine, and we'll just. I was going to ask you something. We'll talk about how my heart got ripped out of my chest back in 1998. It did. <laughs> Poor kid, Jared. Poor me. There was one episode. I don't remember which one it was, but like, 
Jordan just went on this like small rant of it, like it was old film footage, but it was him just like on a small rant about like how much he hated Shaq. Yeah, I think that's the last episode. Okay, it was wild that he was just like on this rant. I'm like, dude, like he hadn't even come up. I think they're like, there was like talking about, like, oh, you know, you, what happens if you go against someone like Shaq? He's like, I ain't Shaq. I ain't Shaq. I ain't Shaq. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, so we begin episode nine. We get a look at the Pacers Bulls rivalry, most notably mm-hmm. the rivalry against Reggie Miller and Michael Jordan, where like they get into a scuffle in February of 93 and everything. Uh, Michael's watching the clip and just like, hey, don't hold him back. Let him go. Let him fight. <laughs> uh, Reggie Miller talks about how he didn't fear Michael Jordan, but he he knew the, like the rest of the league did. And like, obviously, if you have to go against Michael Jordan, you're gonna lock horns with him and fight him at some times. Mm-hmm. Um, Reggie Miller talks about like how he was having a game where like he felt like he was doing real well in the first half and then Michael Jordan comes out and just like dominates him in the second half and mm-hmm. he walks off the court to, and tells Reggie Miller don't ever talk trash to black Jesus <laughs> <laughs> and, and Reggie Miller talks about how like, he never called him Michael Jordan again he just calls him black Jesus or, or that, black cat. that black cat or Jordan <laughs> is this the guy who like never aged yes he looks the exact same mm-hmm. it's wild uh, then we dive into some highlights of the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, we hear from the then head coach of the Pacers in 98, Larry Bird. He makes his comeback. And he talks about how he thought that this was their best opportunity to win a championship. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, he talks about how like the rivalry with the, the Pacers was very tough and everything. How they would just go in and just fight. He would come in with like a new scraper bruise every game how it became personal for him unshockingly um, what it became personal i know for very, him? very surprising uh bulls win game one into game two of the series michael receives his fifth mvp trophy during the series as well for the regular season which you were like man i can't believe you only won five mvp trophies and it's like yeah it's real wild <laughs> uh the series comes back to indiana where the pacers are able to pull off a very close 107 105 win Yay. <laughs> Yay. We get to see very crazy Indiana fans who are all white, obviously, and just yelling. They're so yelling. Giving a great uh, image of Indiana, unsurprisingly. And they, they refuse to curse. Mm-hmm. Like, they're all just screaming, but they all refuse to say any kind of bad word. And then there's that one lady who is like, they focus on her and she just like screaming on the sidelines. I'm like, who are you? Mm-hmm. Calm down, lady. It's not that serious. Uh, we go to game four where it's a very pivotal game four. Where if, if Indiana loses, they go down 3-1, have to go to Chicago, and that's not going to end well. But if they even the series up, it becomes a whole new ball game. Very tightly contested game. Uh, the Bulls are able to go up one with 6.4 seconds left. Scottie Pippen comes up with a skill, a skill, a steal. A skill. Pacers have to foul. Pippen misses both free throws. Uh, they're able to call a timeout, advance the ball to half court, and then we see a a play where Reggie Miller just lightly shoves Michael Jordan out of the way, um, gets the ball, shoots a three, and the Pacers are able to win Game Four. Mm-hmm. Lightly. Lightly shoved him. <laughs> it's a sm- small touch. 
Uh, we shift back to D, uh, 97, where we get to see how the, the Bulls have advanced to the finals again, and they're going against the Utah Jazz. The Bulls coming off of a 69 nice win season. <laughs> and Michael Jordan's like, man, they're like, what, what was the motivation going into the, into the 97 finals? And Michael Jordan's like, Carl Malone won MVP. I didn't think he deserved one MVP. I should have won MVP. I took it personally. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you think he's the MVP? Good for him. Also, again, we do not f*** with Carl Malone. No, not yeah. whatsoever. No. Absolutely I, I not. Didn't, I didn't know anything about him, and then you told me about this. I was like, oh, mm -hmm. he's terrible. So he became the villain yes. for me at this point. Um, again, most notably, they do not interview him for this documentary. <laughs> It's because he's yes. Uh, game one of the '97 Finals is close, eighty tied, eighty-two with seven and a half seconds left. Fairly tightly contested game and everything. We learned about Jordan, learning about uh, Brian Russell of the Jazz, where the Jazz came to the Chicago while Michael was off playing baseball. Jordan came to the the training facility to come say hi to some of the Jazz players, and Brian Russell comes up to him like. Man, why'd you quit? You knew I could guard you. Why'd you quit? <laughs> and then Mike was like, who is this kid? <laughs> now you're on my list. Uh, Jordan hits a game winner in game one over Brian Russell, obviously. Bulls take game two in a blowout, winning by 12. Uh, Jazz come back, able to make a series. They win game three and four, tie the series. And all that. And then we have game five, the infamous flu game. Except oh, it is not a flu game. It's not flu. It's the Michael Jordan ate a pizza game. <laughs> a whole pizza by himself. Yes. So this is a story that had not come out before the documentary, I believe, where everyone just assumed he, he just had the flu, flu-like symptoms. And by the mm -hmm. flu, they meant he had a stomach ache. He had stomach yeah. issues. So Michael's like, all right, we're in game five. It's late. We're at the hotel. And I'm hungry. And I got my guys with me. And we're all like trying to find a place that's open to come get us, give us food. There's one pizza place that's open. And they're like, oh, this is, I don't know about this. But we go ahead and order the pizza anyways. And they got five delivery guys. They're like, that's real weird. They're like, but we know, everyone kind of knows probably this is Jordan and everything. So they're like, this is not going to be well. And then Mike was like, I ate the pizza. I ate all of it by myself. Oh. <laughs> I ate the whole pizza. And then I woke up at 2.30 in the morning and I was just barfing. Barfing right and left. <laughs> He's like, he had to call his like trainer and his like mom and like, you're like, like, oh God, I feel like death. And they're like, okay, so yeah, this wasn't the flu game. It was food poisoning game. It was food poisoning. The, I, I ate all the, the pizza game. I ate a whole pizza, um, which I was telling you, it was like, he had food poison. There's no way it was just barfing. Yeah. But like... That dude probably had a miserable game. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, a miserable game where he plays 44 out of 48 minutes. Scores 38 points, 7 rebounds, 5 assists, and 3 steals. Still miserable. Playing with food poisoning and puts he up those numbers. He basically had, like, had to himself the whole time and he's just like ah he's just he, he's prairie dogging for like 48 minutes he's like oh god oh god oh god <laughs> he took it personally with his belly and was like you know what i'm gonna be petty and i'm gonna win this game uh, yeah so they uh they go down real real early because george's not playing well because he's not feeling well 
And then basically he like in the second half, he's just like, all right, I got to I got to I got to pick it up. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do the thing. <laughs> and then like there's the famous scene of Scottie Pippen just like carrying him off the court at the end of the game. Yeah. But yeah. He took it personally. It's wild. He ate that whole pizza by himself. Whole pizza. And then now, while we as we get to game six of the uh, the finals, game six, I think. Yeah, game six. Let's talk about Steve Kerr. Talk about some more yeah. dad murder. Yeah, and even more intense dad yeah. murder. So obviously, Woo. we're going to talk about the the Steve Kerr shot and everything. But before that, we get into the backstory of Steve Kerr and everything. How like you know he loved basketball and everything. Came from this this family of of academics and everything. Uh, his dad was like a Middle Eastern scholar at the U- University of Central Los Angeles. Um, mm-hmm. Wasn't recruited out of college or out of high school or anything. He talks about like how no recruiters came to talk to him. That the same amount like of girls that talked to him in high school, which was funny. Yeah. That was that was a good joke. Mm-hmm. But he found one school that would take him. Yep. Um, talked about how like you know, eventually when he got to the league and everything, he patterned his play after john paxton of the bulls and everything who was just like this the the sharpshooter and everything the guy who had the the clutch shot to win the 93 championship and everything and was like that's who i need to go play with that's who i need to like learn from and everything um the interviewer basically asked like you know with how with what happened to your father did you and michael ever talk about your dads and everything like that and steve Kerr's like no not really like that's like that's a probably too much for both of us and then we go into talking about steve kerr's dad and everything who you know he was this middle eastern uh professor and everything he eventually gets like a job at as the president of the american university in beirut beirut Mm -hmm. is a is having some big issues at the time some civil wars and all that kind of stuff so steve kerr's family moves all there while steve kerr stays back in the country in the us of a I don't know why I said it like that. Um, I don't know why you said it like that. That was real weird. Um, As he's going to the University of Arizona, playing basketball and everything, um, while all of this uh, political tension is happening in Beirut and everything, um, where Steve Kerr's dad basically comes in and is like, I was going to be the vice president, but then they kidnapped the president and everything. Yep. Which is like, oi, oi, boy. Um, A few months later after that, uh, Steve Kerr's dad is assassinated in the American University of Beirut, coming out of a coming out of an elevator, shot in the head. Yeah, and like they called his mom. She's like, "Oh, yeah, you know, I just assumed he was like shot in the leg or the arm or something. He'd be fine." Nope, he wasn't. He was not fine. He nope, was shot in the head by two people who were like pretending to be students. Mm-hmm. Yikes! Yeah, it's like what? What? It's real messed up, and then like. Steve Kerr talks about, like, you know, getting that call and everything and being, like, you know, waking up at, like, 3 in the morning and someone will be like, yeah, it's a family friend calling. And be like, oh, man, this is real bad news. And he just talks about, like, you know, I just went back to practice the next day and just basically just dug my head into basketball because that's all I could think about doing. Like, I didn't know what yeah. else to do with my life. Um, and then he kind of talks about how, like, you know, he feels like his dad would have been proud of him for, like, where he's gone in his career and everything and all that and then now we uh we fast forward to game six of the 97 finals where it is a close game late this is the one i was thinking yes the jazz tie things up with like under two remaining uh 
stays tied throughout these two minutes and basically the Bulls call a timeout late in the game with only a couple seconds left and Michael Jordan goes to Steve Kerr and is like hey be ready make sure you're ready and then you see Steve Kerr like I'll be ready I'll be ready don't worry I'll be ready like they literally show him saying yeah. that like in a film like it, it is an actual thing he yes did. so Jordan's basically is like so they're gonna they know the ball's gonna come to me they're gonna double me that's gonna leave Steve open He's going to hit that shot. Yeah. I have total faith in him to hit that shot. And that's basically what happens. They they double Michael when he gets the ball. Kicks it out to Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr hits a mid-range jumper. Nails the shot. Bulls win. Back-to-back championships. Yay. Thanks, Dad Murder. <laughs> yeah, that's usually what you say. I mean, there was a question mark, obviously. It's really sad, though. It like, is, it, yeah. It, it is a really horrific story that I was not expecting, and I was like, whoa. But then you also told me, you're like, hey, this dude's awesome on Twitter. I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah! Yeah. Um, they show, like, a scene from, like, the the championship celebration in 97 where, like, they Steve Kerr goes up to the mic and he's like, you know, like, I... Everyone was like feel confused what to do, and like Michael goes into the huddle. I was like, you know, I don't really want to shoot this shot this time. Let's let Steve get the shot here. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. Uh, we fast forward back to 1998, the Bulls and Pacers Eastern Conference Finals. They split Game Five and Six, and they have to go to a Game Seven in Chicago, where everyone's like, is this going to be Michael's last game? Is this it? Is there, is, this, is this how it's going to end? Uh, we see uh, a bit about one of Michael's security guards, Gus, how like he became like a father figure to him after his dad passed away and everything. Uh, mm-hmm. Gus had been diagnosed with lung cancer um, and had missed a lot of like the 98 season, but he came back for this this pivotal game seven and everything. And he's like, Michael's like, well, we got to win this game for Gus then. That's how we got to do it. And then the Bulls win, and I'm real sad. Oh. <laughs> So the Bulls are going to their to the, another NBA championship. Uh, there's the scene at like they show like after the game where Michael Jordan finds Larry Bird, mm. and and <laughs> they're like and Michael's like oh enjoy yourself and I think I forget which one says I think it's Larry's like you bitch, f- you yeah <laughs> which fair yep yep basketball's petty oh yeah. <laughs> you're not wrong but it's now time for the final episode episode 10 we're gonna talk about the 1998 nba finals i also don't know how i have not mentioned the fact that michael jordan's eyes are extremely bloodshot this entire time they are like like i kept mentioning it to you while we were watching it. i'm like god his eyes are red like jeez, dude mm-hmm. eye drops or something <laughs> clear eyes He's, he's got his cigar next to him. Mm-hmm. He is ready. Also, apparently, he's smoking like ninety percent of this documentary. Apparently, none of those houses he's in are his house. What? They're all different houses because, like, he didn't want people to see the inside of his house. Why? He's one privacy. So whose house is he in? They're like rented houses or family or like close friends' houses. Uh, wild, <laughs> wild. Yep. Um, there's something else I was going to mention. 
Oh, before we get to the last episode, we have not mentioned our gambling friend. We have not mentioned our gambling friend. So, like, one of the... The shrug. The bodyguards at, of Michael Jordan is, like, this white dude with, like, the weird hair. A jerry yeah. Curl. And, like, there's this scene of they're, like, just playing quarters where, like, they're, like, oh, we got to get it clo- the closest without hitting the wall, essentially. They're yeah. gambling like that. And this dude, like, is, like, all right, I can beat you. Michael's like, all right, let's do it. He's like the nerdiest <laughs> looking dude. Like he just looks like a freaking joke. Yep. But then you also see he has a massive gun strapped to his hip. So they do the thing, and like Michael doesn't is able isn't able to do it, and then this guy is able to do it first try, and then he just like he's like celebrates by hitting Michael Jordan with his own shrug. Twice. <laughs> so every time after that that the guy showed up on screen, I was like, it's that guy. Yep. <laughs> So he was great. Mm-hmm. Anyway, continue on last episode. Episode 10, where it's basically all about the 98 NBA Finals and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, we begin where like they're, the Bulls are getting prepped up for game one and everything. Michael's just dancing along to some music and everything. Just real chill. He has the album early, remember? Yes, he got that album early because he knows people. Oh, he knows people. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jared's 1998 heart is broken now. And now it's going to get broken again because I was also a jazz fan. Oh, no! <laughs> it was a rough 90s for young Jared when it came to basketball. Oh, no! Yeah. But, yeah. Um, this is where we see Jordan's kids show up, and they talk about the atmosphere in Utah, and they're like, yeah, we didn't make the trip, because, like, yo, those that Utah crowd was hostile. It's too hostile They're too loud. Us. They just yelled all the time. Yeah. Uh, Jazz win game one in overtime, take a 1-0 series lead over the Bulls. But, you know, it's the Bulls. They're going to win game two. It's fine. So it's a 1-1 series lead as they head back to Chicago. Uh, except game three in Chicago is like a real a blowout where they hold the Jazz to just 54 points in the game. Win by 42. Wild. And every Bulls player scored. That's insane. And then the next day, Dennis Rodman doesn't show up to practice. Yep. They're like, where's Dennis? What's going on? Uh, Dennis decided to take a little a little detour to Michigan, and uh, he went to go uh, visit uh, the, uh, the, the television program WCW Monday Nitro. I did not expect <laughs> this at all. Yep. I'm like, what is happening? So Dennis shows up in the middle of the finals run for the Bulls. They're up 2-1 and shows up and hangs out with Hulk Hogan and the New World Order. That's a mistake to hang out with. So, like, this out. isn't just, like, a random one-off. Let's talk about let's talk about pro wrestling for a second here. All right. Dennis Rodman has shown up on WCW programming all the way back in 1994. He showed up for the pay-per-view Bash at the Beach where Hulk Hogan defended the WCW world title against Vader, also, which was also footage of that was used in an episode of Baywatch later on. Fun fact. So yeah, like oh, so what? Yes. Um so Dennis Robin had like had this relationship with Hulk Hogan for a while, like, and then he showed up for that match and was just like in his corner to support him and everything. When in ninety six when Hulk Hogan turns heel, turns bad guy for the first time ever in his or prominently ever in his career, um Dennis Rodman would just randomly show up at times and be like, hey, Hulk Hogan would be like, hey, this is my friend Dennis Rodman. He's in with the NWO. Hulk, and Dennis Rodman would be like, yeah, too sweet, brother. 
So, like, Dennis Rodman just being in pro wrestling canon and WCW canon was a very well-established thing. Like, this was not just, like, him just being like, I guess I'm just going to go make money doing wrestling for a tiny bit. Like, he he had been a... He was a known member of the NWO at this point. He was a known character on TV. Not like he was showing up all the time, but, like, if you would watch... He was there. He, was, he would show up enough times, like, it wasn't just, like, a random thing. They made it seem random in the documentary. It is not a hundred. It is one hundred percent not a random thing. Also, during this time period, this is the the most professional wrestling has ever lucked out into a celebrity angle ever. Because later in the year, WCW is going to promote a match between Hulk Hogan and Dennis Rodman taking on Diamond Dallas Page and Carl Malone. Wow. They lucked out because both, obviously, Rodman and Malone played for the Bulls and the Jazz. They faced each other two times in the finals. The only ever time pro wrestling will ever be lucky was a celebrity angle and have it be that, like, good. Because they're, like, able to, like, capitalize on this, like, rivalry and everything in a way that you can't just, like, manufacture. Right. So, yeah. Dennis Rodman goes to Nitro and shows up and hangs out with Hogan in the midst of this finals run. <sighs> And everyone's just like, oh my gosh. The media's like, I cannot believe he went to go do this wrestling stuff. What is he doing? Wrestling. And Dennis Rodman's like, I just want to go do some wrestling. Whatever. Who cares? Wrestling. So yeah, the media is just is like, oh, this is so stupid. Losing I can't believe he would mind. do this and everything. And then he comes back to practice and then everyone's just like, who gives a shit? Like, hey, did you go make some money, Dennis? And he's like, yeah. And they're like, cool. <laughs> go get that bag. Like they didn't, they didn't care in the slightest. <laughs> I mean, they, they knew him by this point. Exactly, they knew. Like, hey, he's gotta go. He's gonna go just do this thing. He'll be back. He'll play exactly how we want him to play. Who cares? Whatever. Um, they also showed like this this funny thing where like when he comes back to practice, like the the PR team for the Bulls is like, so there's a bunch of media over here wanting to speak to Dennis. We're going to try and sneak him out this other way and hope no one notices. Surprisingly, everyone notices. And then he, he just speeds off in a truck. Yep. It's hilarious. So, yeah, we go to game four of the NBA Finals. Rodman has a good game. Unsurprisingly, he hits clutch free throws late. Bulls win. They're up 3-1 in the, in the Finals. Everyone's like, oh, yay, now we can, they can win on their win in Chicago. They can win the championship. Yeah, but that doesn't happen. Mm. The Jazz are able to win game five, go up 3-2, sending the series back to Utah for a pivotal game six. But Michael's like, yeah, we're still going to win, whatever. <laughs> uh, this game was prominent because Scottie Pippen was having back issues during the whole game. I felt so bad for him watching this. Like it was painful to watch him through this, mm -hmm. like this whole thing, because he was like on and off and on and off and on and off and on and off, just trying to baby that yeah. thing. So like he tweaked it at some point during the series, and then early on in Game Six, he goes up and goes for a dunk. When he lands, just jams his whole back up, and he's like, "Oh God, this yep. is bad." So he goes up to Michael and is like, "I can't go, my back real bad." So he goes off to the locker room. Trainers are just, like, doing whatever they can to just, like, give him any sort of treatment to just give him mm -hmm. a little bit of time. Um, I mean, he's on and mm -hmm. off 
consistently. So like that that enables the Jazz to get out to a lead at, at, by halftime. They're up by four, and Pippen's still just like trying whatever he, they can to get him on the floor and everything. Um, he's able to kind of like like you said, come on, come in, come out, come in, come out, and they talk about like how when he, whenever he would come in, he was just a decoy. Like he was just like going to yeah. be there just to throw people off and like oh maybe he'll do something but really he's not there to do anything <laughs> which i mean he was laughing about it when they interviewed him he's like that's all i was there yep. for <laughs> which of course when you're a decoy who's who's left to to pick up the mantle none other than michael jordan what who would have thought that it would be michael yep. jordan uh it does kind of bite him in the butt a little bit because he starts to get tired and starts missing some shots later in the late in the game <laughs> But uh, they are able to keep it close throughout uh, the rest of the fourth quarter, even with Pippen coming coming in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. Um, and then the final minute, Michael just takes over, takes over the game, uh, hits a layup with 37 seconds left, figures out what the the Jazz are going to do play-wise in this next play, is able to steal the ball from Carl Malone. Mm-hmm. He was like, oh, man, you know, he, he didn't see me behind him. Ah! <laughs> My ball now. Uh, they don't call timeout, and then basically this is the, the final play of the game where <laughs> they're like, okay, they like asked Dennis Rodman and Scotty Pippen, like, what, are you, what were you thinking when this play was happening? And Scotty's like, I'm getting the hell out of the way. <laughs> Make sure I not <laughs> anywhere. And then Dennis Rodman's just like, he's just going to shoot that ball. He's never passing that ball. What? You, that's that's his. <laughs> that's his. Um. So, yeah, we have Michael Jordan uh, with Brian Russell on him. He crosses him up, gives him a little tap on the butt, sends him flying the other way, pulls up for the mid-range, buries it with five seconds left, Bulls lead, 87-86. And uh, that's that's it. That's championship number six. That's a wrap. The double three-peat. Nice. Six championships in the 90s. And then the band breaks up. And then they celebrate. They smoke some, some cigars. They spray champagne in each other's faces and burn their eyes. Everywhere. Ugh. <laughs> Michael plays the piano in his hotel room. <laughs> yeah, that, that was really funny. <laughs> Just casually playing the piano. I was like, who, is, who gave this man a piano? <laughs> they go to the, the championship rally where everyone's just like, oh, we should get a seventh championship, guys. Ah. Too bad that's not going to happen. No. It's over. Uh, everyone kind of talks about how, like, you know, Bulls changed basketball and everything, changed the culture of basketball and all that. Uh, Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner, talks about how he called Phil Jackson to be like, hey, you want to come back and coach ne- next year? You want to do that? And then Phil Jackson's like, nah, not really. I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Jordan, like, sees that and is just like, yeah, I don't think that would have happened anyways. Like, they said at the beginning, hey, we're not doing this again. Yeah. Even if like like if you would have offered everyone a one year contract to to resign and try it again, everyone would have resigned. But yeah. could you do that and have faith within the management to, to actually want to do that? Probably not. Uh, Jordan believes that they could have gone repeated again, gone for seven. But obviously, that is not how things go. The uh, the Chicago Bulls break up after. The 1998 season, Michael Jordan goes back into retirement for a, for a, for a small amount of time. Um, 
So he's gone after 98. And then he comes back in 2001 after getting like a little bit of ownership for the Washington Wizards, plays with the Wizards for two years, or from 2001 to 2003. And then after 03, he retires again. For mm-hmm. good this time. For good. For good. Uh, obviously, the Wizards run is not like as good as the Bulls run. Like he doesn't win a championship or anything. Yeah, but he was like in his 40s by then. Yeah, right? he was much older. I mean, he was obviously three years older. A little past, he's past his prime at this point. Yeah. So, and always, and obviously the the Wizards teams he was playing for weren't good. weren't of the same caliber as the the Bulls teams in the 90s, 80s and 90s. So, unsurprising. Um, we'll do a little bit more of just highlights of people. Steve Kerr gets traded to the Spurs, which I believe he actually wins another championship in '99. Good for him. I believe that should be the case. I don't know. Yeah, so he goes back to back to back to back. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, then goes goes to the Trailblazers for a little bit, comes back to the Spurs, and now is the head coach of the Golden State Warriors, who are one of the most dominant teams of the 2010s. He, where he's won three championships with them as coach. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Phil Jackson uh, obviously left the, the Bulls in 98. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he decided, hey, I want to come back to be a, a coach. I'm going to go coach the Los Angeles Lakers and, Sha- and Shaq and Kobe and win another three championships. Wild. I want to do another three-peat. Um, which, again, is another parallel to me being sad because that 2000s Lakers team which was just dominant went up against the Pacers in the NBA Finals in 2000 and it did not go well oh no did not go well so yeah he won uh, three championships from 2000, 2001, 2002 and then won the 09-10 championship with the Lakers as well and that was his last championship so he's an 11 time NBA champion as a coach Wow. That's a lot of championships. That's a lot. Uh, and then Scotty got traded to the Trailblazers, which was a very, became a prominent team in the Western Conference after he got traded there. Um, but they were, they also ran into the Lakers who just dominated them. Mm-hmm. So he was not able to replicate his success he had with the Bulls. Uh, went back to the Bulls in 03, 04, basically just to retire as a Bull. All that sort of stuff. Uh, A lot of clicking here. And then Rodman Rodman had a pit stop with the Lakers in 99, joined up with the Mavericks in 2000, and then went and played in some, like, uh, not NBA teams for the rest of his career until 06. And then eventually became friends with a dictator. Yeah. Yeah. And then did a bunch of just like weird celebrity shows as well. Yeah, I forgot about that. Very prominent in those. Yes. So yeah, that's 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 the story of the the 90 uh, the Chicago Bulls from 97 98 and before that as well. The team of the 90s. Yeah. A very prominent sports dynasty. I mean, even I knew about them. You did. With your lack of knowledge of sports. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's kind of dropping the pretense here, but yeah, I had no clue what was going on 90% <laughs> of the time. That's why I was there. Like, hello. <laughs> I was like, Jared, what's happening? Let me tell you about basketball. 
Um, but yeah, I was like, I know, I know Pippin. I know that name. <laughs> I know Rodman because everybody knew Rodman. I was like, other than that, I got nothing. <laughs> I know Jordan. I I knew who Shaq was because of, um, Shaq Fu. And, um, there were three things that we came up with that I knew Shaq from. Shaq Fu, one of his how movies beat, and, and, and the Eric uh, Carter song. Yeah. How I Beat Shaq. And then what was the movie called? Was it Kazam? Kazam, yes. Anyway, those are the th- that's my basketball knowledge mm-hmm. uh, and Space Jam. Yeah. Don't forget Space Jam. Anything after ninety, the nineties, complete unknown. <laughs> and even then, the nineties were most yeah. unknown. Uh, so this was wild for me. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know what's going on half the time, but this is really interesting. Like, this is a this is a people piece here. Yeah. Um. So you don't really have to know a whole lot about basketball to appreciate this documentary. No, like, luckily, because otherwise I would have been like, Bleh! and I've definitely known a lot of people who like are not into sports in the slightest and have watched this and been like very captivated by it. So like I knew if I wanted to pitch this to you, like that was kind of one of the things I had to go off of being like, hey, I know people who don't watch sports and have like this. You might yeah. be into this. And also like yeah. it's an interesting story. Yeah, I think our biggest hurdle was episode two. Yes, 100 percent. Yeah. Which I forgot was like a thing, and then it was happening. I was like, "Uh oh, uh oh, uh oh, uh oh, uh oh." I was like, "The, the warning sirens were just going off in my head." Yeah. I was like, oh no, we're we're already we're already in this. Yep, yep. I uh, I, I I went on the uh, "Does the Dog Die" site and edited uh, the page for this to let people know that that is the thing that happens in in this show. Mm-hmm. So there is that. Um, but yeah, episode two almost killed it for us, mm-hmm. but we got through it. We did. And I learned that Michael Jordan is extremely petty. <laughs> he really is. It's hilarious. He's so petty. I think also as well, like one of the things that helped was I sent you that like compilation of him just like talking about taking it personally. It was hilarious. Like we've been making that joke way before we even watched this documentary of like taking it personally mm-hmm. because of that, that compilation you sent me. Yeah. <laughs> Max took it personally. He did. That's why he has no hair now. No hair. But yeah, that I that document is really great. Yeah, it was good. And it's it's very in depth and thorough and everything. But like, yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. I highly enjoyed it, even just watching it the second time with you. So mm-hmm. it is a it's really good. And also, like, like as someone who's just lived through all that, like, it just it brought back a lot of memories and everything of just like that time period and everything and being a kid in that and seeing the bulls just rip your heart out year after year after year. I mean, I technically lived through that time period, but you weren't in that and culture. I would say there's, there's no technically about it. I was alive. During yes. That time period. <laughs> but I wasn't, I wasn't part of, I wasn't in the know of all of this. I was more on the, like the periphery. I'm, I, I knew periphery stuff, but mainly I was just like, I'm I'm into reading and video games, and that's about it. Yeah. I didn't understand sports. I still don't understand sports. I understand soccer, and that's about it. And even then, I understand like maybe forty five percent of soccer. <laughs> just a smidge. It's fun to watch, though. Yeah. But yeah, we watched Michael Jordan be petty. That we did. 10 episodes. That we did. Hmm. We took it personally. We took it very personally. 
Well, I think that's going to do it for Michael Jordan taking it personally. Mm-hmm. So, if you'd like more from us, go to seasonalimitcheckup.com or sac.cool is where you can find past episodes of this podcast and other podcasts like Season Lime Checkup and Jared Now Watch. You can watch all the other 199 episodes or listen to the other episodes that we did. That you can. We're at 200 now, you guys. 200. Wild and. So many. Uh,. You also find columns and reviews on the site as well. If you would like more from really? Anladium, go to anladium.com. She's got columns and reviews. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash anime checkup. You can buy our book, One Shiny Moment, a critical analysis of Love Life Sunshine on amazon.com. Yeah. yeah. And you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash SACOVA. Buy us a slice of pizza, get access to unedited versions of the podcast and bonus episodes as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, this is the 200th episode of this dangle podcast. This is the longest podcast I've done. Nice. It's very long. Um, so yeah, we wanted to like thank everyone for tuning in and checking us out, whether you've listened to us since the beginning or tuned in at some other point in time, who cares? Mm-hmm. Like we, uh, we appreciate everyone who's followed along and thanks for being a part of this, being a part of this throughout all of our weird and serious and strange and bizarre and funky and fun episodes that we've done over the course of four years now. Yeah. A lot's happened in four years. Yeah. Um, in life and also this podcast. Mm-hmm. But we're just going to keep on trucking because that's what we do. Mm-hmm. We've released two books now since this came out. Mm-hmm. Two books. Two books. Two books. So yeah, we will be back next week with 201 as we make the march to 300. Not the movie. Mm-hmm. No, not the movie. Not the movie. I don't look good in loincloth. <laughs> Uh, we'll be talking about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Golden Wind. Yes, we will. And hopefully we'll understand how that show wraps up. You know what? I am interested to see what would they do with the last episode. So am I. So we'll see you then.